we're not going to do a cold open thing. A who move? No. But no, even though we're live, you're still going to get a theme song. Ready? Theme song. All right. Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels. We're a video game music podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Um, every week we hang out and listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. Um, we pick what we like, we listen to it, and we chat about it. Sometimes. And it's very loosely around um, specific subjects or topics. And we usually started out with the show getting like light topics and they're like cave music or music that, you know, music from Nintendo yeah. games. But then, these are fighting games on the Nintendo thing. But then <laughs> as, but then as we games. lasted and gone longer and longer, mm-hmm. we had to get weirder and weirder with our topics. Right. So we had uh, medical music, uh, games about hospitals. And uh, what were some other weird ones that we had? Games that had the number four in it. The games with the number four. And uh, on Monday, our next episode is going to be called Don't Panic, (laughs) which is uh, a music that takes place in games where, like, it's constantly, you're constantly being chased by something or you're rushing to do something. Just panic induces. Like, it doesn't have to necessarily be a rush. It's just a situation where you find yourself needing to come up with a plan or do a thing or accomplish a task. What do you do? Whatever, figure it out. Yeah, time is up. I don't need this thing. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, going freestyling on us. <laughs> I'm lay down some funky beats, Purnell. <laughs> For those at home, he took the <laughs> microphone stand and just like tossed it aside. Let's go, everybody. <laughs> We're going to have some fun tonight. Um, all right, so today's topic is um, speedruns, uh, video game speedrunning, um, fast games, and uh, games that go too fast. Or just games that kind of incentivize you to pick up the pace, not right. even if you have to time it, just get it done. Um, and this was originally going to be like the, the panic, nervous music track, but I thought in a live setting, that would be awful for everybody involved. So we're going to do that. Everybody walks out more stressed out than when they came in. That would be great. All right. So I, I think for today's episode, uh, we don't have it numbered because I don't know when this is going to be released. So Pernell, would you like to start us off with some music? Well, So our format is we listen to music. We chat about it. And we listen to some more music. Um, because we're at a live setting, we're probably going to rush through things a little bit in a speedy fashion. Oh, I see perfect to the theme. I'm not complaining. Uh, but usually on the show, it's kind of like a like a radio show slash NPR situation where it's mainly focused on like on listening to the whole track and kind of analyzing it in a very scholarly way. There is there is no scholarly at all in our show. You're lucky to get words that are formatted properly. Yeah, yeah. Very very educational. The Spyro the Dragon episode. All right. So, um, Purnell. What's your first track of the afternoon? Okay, so the first track we're going to pick is from a game called 1001 Spikes. It exists on a variety of platforms, including like PS3, Xbox 360, and their later brothers in in their series history. And the track title is just World 5, Normal and Fast, and the composer for these tracks is known as Rush Jet 1. Yeah, classic chiptune composer. Um, so these are these are composers who work on uh, Game Boy hardware, Nintendo hardware, but they compose original music. So this is a guy who did original music on old systems, now being tapped to do the soundtrack for a full-on video game. And you are obsessed with this game, right? Very much so. And I like watching you play it because I like to make fun of you when you play games. He's, you think he's lying. <laughs> We're supposed to be friends, but no, he really does make fun of right, This is a World 5 Normal and Fast from Rush Jet 1. You that arpeggio? <laughs> Running joke in the show is they have a he has a penchant for constantly referencing the arpeggio effect. He likes to dig into tracks from a scholar, more knowledgeable perspective. I'm just like, it sounds good. Let it run. There we go. 
So to give you some context on this track, 1001 Spikes plays kind of like an Indiana Jones type of game where you are in a ruin and you need to find the key to unlock the door to access the exit to the place you're at in order to move on further into the dungeon. Yeah, but these stages are all like fairly short. They're almost like one room puzzles. Right? Yes. Yeah. So it's like- some of them scroll over, but they're generally tightly packed together. Now, like mentioning with Indiana Jones, when he's running through ruins, you expect to see nefarious traps, evil enemies throwing spears, you know, the usual spiel. But he always narrowly escapes. It's always humorous or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, Thousand One Spice has none of that humor. This game is malicious and brutal <laughs> in a way that I would actually expect an ancient booby trap laden Mayan ruin to be. No. Nothing like Indiana right, goes. So I've been thinking about this game more and more. Oh, real quick. Are, are we so, the fast part now? Yes. It speeds up. No, what happens is yeah. when you find the key, the door opens up. And even though nothing else about the level changes, this musical shift gets you tense and it makes you feel like you had to get the hell out of Dodge, like a boulder's going to chase you out of the room or something. And it usually leads to far more deaths than you could have possibly gotten if you weren't being feeling the pressure to just get through it. And thankfully, when you get to the end, there is a speed check that tells you this is how fast you got through the level. Do you get graded on, on doing things quickly? No grade, just a ton. So a you'll right. look at it and go, I could have done that faster <laughs> after you've died 35 times on this segment of each level. Um, no, that's, but, a, that's a modern thing, though, right? Like, like so this game is done up like a, with a 8-bit or 16-bit style where it's very pixely, um, a low count of colors on the screen. Uh, the music is obviously very um, uh, retro, very chiptune-y, although... If you're listening closely, there's more channels of audio playing than would be on the, on, the, on the original Nintendo system. But even though it's done in a retro style, like that's a very modern idea of like really short, uh, curated stages that are incredibly hard that you're meant to play through over and over and over and over and over again, and then like show off to your friends. Hey, look how many times I died on this stage, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Look, I don't want anybody to know how many times I died. I died once. <laughs> And that was because I, I dropped the controller. Well, no, thinking the of games idea, like, uh, like Celeste or like V, 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 V. Yeah, but all those games, yeah. I can't speak for everybody else, but I don't want anybody to know. Mm. To me, the logic, the idea is that you practice, you suffer, you get through <laughs> it, but every time you die, the game throws you right back in so fast that you don't even have time to feel like you screwed up in the first place. You're just in it. Right. And then when you finally master the stage, that's when you invite your friends over. Yo, check out this game I started playing the other day. Okay. That's oh, whoa. I, 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 that's that. the level of like um, um, uh, taping, taping, taping an old episode of Jeopardy. And then like saying, I got all the answers to this thing. Watch this. And like watching it with your friends or pretending like you know Don't everything. Don't tell people what I used to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to move on to uh, my first track then. Uh, my first track is, I like games where uh, there are there is no like death state. There's no end game state where it's like, oh, you failed. You fell into a bunch of spikes. Uh, not that I remember anyway, but this is from the game called Dust Force. Um, it came out on Steam. It came out on uh, Xbox. I think on maybe on PlayStation Three, maybe PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. Um, this is called Swimming While It Rains. It was oh, I have it for the 360. That's why I played it on. Um, and this is from the artist called Life Formed. So if you know of an artist named Disasterpiece who did music for games like Fez, he did music for games like Hyperlight Drifter. He did music for uh, the soundtrack to the movie um, It Follows. It Follows. Um, so very retro, but also very uh, deep. And this is one of my favorite music soundtracks in, uh, ever. And this is um, Swimming While It Rains from Dust Force by the artist Life Formed. It, it totally just, just hit me, time. by the way. 
What's I, that? I, I heard that title. I'm thinking about garbage now. Garbage. Oh, yeah. I enjoy swimming, Riley Rain. Okay, if you, like, can, if you can match those lyrics to this song. I can't. <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> yeah, this isn't garbage. You can't throw you can't throw garbage over this. It just sounds too good. Yeah, so it's the definitely the definite take on this is um, running through stages as fast as you can. You're you're timed and you're graded on how fast you can run through the levels. There's no end state. It's just get to the end. There's no death state rather. Um, but the idea is to make the music as relaxing and as chill as possible, so that you get in this zone of just doing better and better and better. You never get frustrated. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, you get frustrated. I, little, you get frustrated. But All right. It, so he's supposed he, to stave off the frustration. Rob's ignoring a few key elements to what makes Dust Force interesting or uh, what how, it is. How good I am at the game. Oh, well, that too. But so Dust Force, like he said, it does have soothing music. And it is designed in a way to kind of make you feel soothed. But your main character is a janitor. You are a janitor, and you are cleaning no, a no, house. You are a magic janitor. I'm oh, sorry, a magical janitor. Yeah. You can air dash as a janitor. I wish I could wish janitors could climb do on that. walls. It's janitor can climb. He's got a magic broom that just you just you, if you push things, they disappear. And also, the, the more dirt you sweep up, the more momentum you get. So you just keep getting faster as long as you oh, keep yeah, cleaning yeah, yeah. up dirt. Now. The game originally was designed to have like full-on combat and boss fights and like a typical action-y game, but they changed the whole style of the game to accommodate the music and this feeling of play. So even though you're not really fighting anything with the exception of like little floating enemies that are just meant to be hit mm -hmm. and give you more momentum, you are still tasked with doing these perfect janitorial sweet jobs. <laughs> That would make, I don't know, even the most, yeah. you know, retentive, you know, clean, frenzy freak person just lose their marbles over how good this is. Well, that's an interesting thing to think about. Like, when these games are developed, sometimes they take turns. Like, oh, it was going to be a combat-heavy action game, and then it turns into kind of like a puzzling, platforming, um, like, time-based, speed-running game. And it was at that point that they brought in um, life forms to do the music for this. Because suddenly the music was not what they expected it was going to be. It wasn't going to be like this big, sweeping, action-y like Rush Jet 1, like real fast, like really intense stuff. It's like now the game isn't going to be action like that. It's going to be more chill. It's going to be more fast running, fast, fast moving, cleaning, cleaning things. And it also kind of goes to show in a way too that even though we generally associate pressure and speeding up the running through things quickly as a tense, stressful activity, whenever you're rushing through something, you're too much in the air you can't handle it but mm. games like this i feel as though they are designed in a way to make that activity actually relaxing you are trying to get it done quickly you are trying to do it as efficiently and perfectly oh, yeah. as possible it's the tetris effect right yeah you, you zone out everyone everyone knows tetris but tetris is all about lining up the blocks it's all about like this crazy um uh thing that's all in our brains to make every put everything in order the and Tetris then, and then effect, get rid of right? it. <laughs> that's, that's something I didn't even realize. All right, the Tetris that game. There's a game that came out last year called Tetris Effect, yeah, which Rob is obsessed with, and it, I have. Um, well, anything Tetris, I'm obsessed with. But like, yeah, the the, the 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 term Tetris Effect was coined after the game came out. It's the whole idea of doing this thing for so long that when you close your eyes, when you're going to sleep, you can still see the shapes moving. And it was actually coined the Tetris Effect. And then so of course, you know, 30 years later, they said, let's name the newest game after that. Um, thing that's happening. And of course, they made it all VR and trippy and stuff. And I feel like if you weren't 
able to have that state of zen while you play Tetris, right. these floating images would not stick with you when you left the game behind. If anything, your brain would be working overtime to get rid of the scene. <laughs> so, all right. So let's let's go on to your second track. Okay. Because um, you gave me a list of about ten, so mm-hmm. I, I never know what you're going to play. All right. Well, the next one I'm going to pick comes from a game called Final Fantasy VII, and the track title here is actually... Actually, you know what? (laughs) I don't want to go with that one. (laughs) I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go with a track from a game called Sonic Unleashed instead, (laughs) and the track title is called Savannah Citadel Day. Yeah, just threw him for a loop there. There you go. I got I'm it. I'm good at that. Um, and the composers for this are Tomoya Oritani, Fumi Kumatani, Kenichi Tokoi, Hideaki Kobayashi, and Takahito Iguchi. Yeah, so, so some of these games have a long list of composers, and they'll list them in the end credits of a game. And unless there is an official licensed soundtrack released for these games, like you never know which composer actually composed the music for some of these songs. It's like, it could have been any one of these people. And you can kind of guess sometimes. It's like, okay, this music was derived from a classic Sonic the Hedgehog game. Mm-hmm. So that could be from you know, Tomoyo Otani or uh, Jun Sinue. But it's hard to tell when there's like, they give you like six names and then the track sounds like this. Crash Bandicoot? What? There's no Crash Bandicoot. This is this is pure speed, baby. When the controls do what you want them to do, and the game doesn't skip. So, oh, wait, you, you did the motion controls, right? No, no, no. This one had no motion control. This Are you was, sure about the? This Wii version might have, but we don't talk about the Wii version. So, <laughs> we don't talk about the Wii anything? No, we do not. No. So, Sonic Unleashed was a uh, attempt at redefining next generation Sonic games after Sega really screwed the pooch with Sonic 2006 on the Xbox 360. And I mean, they really screwed that game. They still make fun of it today. Mm. Um, But Sonic Unleashed was an attempt to fix that flow. They created a whole new engine called the Hedgehog Engine, which was meant (laughs) to emphasize just how fast Sonic could go. You've never seen Sonic run like this before. And it's true. That just means they blur the screen? That was a lot of blur. (laughs) But even still, he genuinely was faster than any game I'd ever seen him access to. Because when he's running in this game, like, there's moments where he's cutting turns, and if you don't plan that turn just right, you'll run off the side of the stage because he can't handle the momentum. Like, you're supposed to cut turns. He leans to the side and grabs the dirt. Like, practically speed breakdancing. It's amazing. So, what ends up happening when you're playing Sonic Unleashed on the speed, on the running stages, when the controls are good and everything's running the way it's supposed to, because I'll go into that another time. When the game works like it should. When the game works like it should. Is you find yourself in a situation where you are trying to perfect everything. You're running as fast as you can. Hit all the right jumps. Hit all the correct loops, the spins, the dashes. And it becomes just a dance party of speed action. It feels amazing to do correctly. And it's awesome to just watch it happen on the screen. It emphasizes what I think speed in the game should actually be. And I will say... With the exception of possibly like Sonic Colors, I don't think there's been another Sonic game that nailed the speed quite like Sonic Unleashed did for all the crap people like to give it. Speed in this game is legit. I'm not a fan of new Sonic games because it's just it's too fast and you can't see where you're really going. And that's the thing. That's what makes Sonic such a weird beast of a character. So they designed this character to be the fastest thing alive, quote unquote. I think I think they designed this character to be, to be faster than Mario. 
Oh, yeah, but I mean, that was <laughs> yeah. his thing. Like, they emphasized the speed in Sonic. Mm. But then, due to the fact that the original games were all done in 2D, and they had this kind of squinched atmosphere, perspective so you can actually see the characters in full detail, you could never really get speed out of it because you're running right, the spikes pop up, they're there too fast for you to actually react, so you're going to yeah. get hit. So they it's, became known as cheap tricks. And something that like we don't think about today is that the, the televisions back then were in a 4-3 ratio. It was more of a cube. So you can't see that far ahead of you if your character's in the middle of the screen. So that happened a lot. Yes. Yeah. So what happened was when we got to the quote-unquote modern Sonics, they decided to take a different perspective. Make it the camera, put the camera behind him, have him run forward. And what that means is, yeah, you don't get to see his face and the tapping of the foot and all the stuff we have from the 2D games, but what you do get to see is what the heck's in front of you. So they can actually make him faster. They can throw the blur effects in there and do the fact that stuff's coming towards you. You get more time to react to things. But a lot of people from the past really wanted the tight platforming and, you know, more like methodic platforming that the classic Sonic games has. So you had this butting of the heads where you know what you actually wanted. Do you want speed? Do you want meticulous platforming? Do you want some amalgamation of both? To me, I feel like Sonic Generations nailed it the best by giving you a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I'll take, for Sonic, I'll take the speed element because if I want normal platforming, there's tons of other games that can give that to me. Right, so I, I stand by the fact that they, they Sega got hung up on Sonic the Hedgehog being all about speed and, and attitude, and then and, well, I think attitude's the more important thing here because all of these games they get hung up on trying to make them fast, and he ends up running into walls and spikes and hurting himself, and then you just you just don't get a great game experience because you feel like you're just falling all over yourself, right? So they're because they keep focusing on the speed, but if they just focused on the attitude. If they were just like, hey, there's this rad hedgehog, he don't care about anybody. You know, he just he just like wags his finger and has a friend who's a fox and like flies around. So you're telling me you want a game where Sonic just goes to bars and drinks and then goes behind them and spray paints the walls? Yeah, it could be like um like one of those uh, Sonic the Tagger. Yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah, Jet Set Radio Sonic. That'd be fun. You, a, what, Sonic, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just homebrewing, man. Per, per, yeah, he's homebrewing. He's Sonic the homebrewer. Sonic the homebrewer. He hey. doesn't even. He doesn't even platform it could, anymore. Yeah, it could be like one of those um, um, uh, visual novels, right? I'm sure there's plenty of those out there right Sonic's now, and I'm sure attitude. that they are sexy as hell. All right, we're going to move on to our next track. This picture of Sonic. It's all about the attitude, Dale. It is. It should just be about the attitude. Sonic. Because every time on speed, things just get out of hand, and I don't want to play video Sonic games anymore. Sonic the indie novelist. And then I quit video games for like two years. <laughs> it doesn't even run anymore. All right, so my next track is from a game. Of course, I haven't played. You have experience with it, right? This is Half Minute Hero. Oh, I have, I have experience with Half Minute Hero. Yeah, so this is a very fast RPG game that takes place in 30 seconds over and over and over again. Um, this one's got a, a long list of excellent composers, um, but this track in particular was, um, and I have some notes here, it's, uh, it's a big Capcom thing, right? So it's composed by Tetsuya Shibata, who's credited as Toru Nakagawa because he left Capcom before the game was released. Okay. Um, and he is married to Yoshino Aoki, who composed music for all of the Mega Man Battle Network stuff. Oh, so well. I have this theory that all of the composers at Capcom are all like related somehow. Hey, family of awesome musicians. I can't complain. It's yeah, pretty awesome. So we're going to listen to the track called The Optimistic Way, and it's from Half Minute Hero by Tetsuya Shibata. It is funky as hell. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Actually, if I'm not correct. Give it to me now. Mm. <laughs> so, 
to where the air is sweet. <laughs> I, I, I think this is good music for a little, a, little, a little extra game. What do you, what do you think? I want to tell. I'm still back on the Sesame Street thing. This is going to jump ship on me. You can't, you can't listen to this and tell me that they weren't inspired by Oscar w. the Grouch. Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> Snuffle up, I guess. Get out of my trash can. <laughs> So where, where does this take place? Do you know? Is this shop music? No, nah, this just music? happens during certain cinema scenes. So you might be in a scenario where you're talking to a kid in a cave you just rescued from like a wild boar, and he's like, uh, I had the boar. I would have taken him. I don't know what you're even bothering me for. And it's like just this quick back and forth banter because during all of the dialogue scenes, the clock is still ticking in this game. So fun fact about this game. This music is awesome, right? However... The game, when he said it's a thirty, everything takes place in thirty seconds. He was not lying. Like it rules, like credits and like everything, right? Yes. <laughs> you start the mission. It says you need to get to this castle to defeat this lord. But in order to get to the castle, lord, you got to level up. You got to get equipment. You got to complete a few quick events. Right. Then go beat the boss. But you have a thirty-second clock ticking down. You got to do everything. So your guy's running really fast. You're just steamrolling through enemies. You're stopping in town. And the only way you can stop the clock from rolling is there's like a statue in town that you can pay money to that will reset the clock back to 30 seconds. Mm. But it gets more and more expensive every time you do it. So it becomes this weird dance of knowing exactly how, where to go, when to go there, what to get, how to use it, and how to beat the boss. And when this music's playing, you learn how to count to the number 10. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) One, two, three, four, five. But yeah, this this music totally like does not truly give you the sense of just how rushed you are in this game. Yeah, it's it's fast. It's really pushing pushing the limits of how fast can you go through like RPG menus and, and moving through maps. But this is good. This is good game show music. What do you, what do you think about that? Let's give it are a you ready to start. Who would like to compete against Pernell? We can get two people if you're interested. Uh, everyone, one. everyone, raise your right hand if you're interested. He's, he just put his. All right, all right. So you two guys, can you can you come up? Great, cool. All right. This is called The Price is Right Nightmare Mode. It has to be Nightmare Mode. It, it couldn't just be mode. Price is Right. Let's all have a good relaxing time. Oh, no. This is, see, this mic, mic's hot. Check one, check two. Who knows? Um, How's per- that one? Is it putting out any sound? Sorry, man. I should have told you. Worst case scenario. I think we're hot I now. can pass it. Thanks. All right. So what's your name? Uh, Face. Uncle Face from the Bridge and the Gap podcast. Fizz? How you doing? Yeah, how you doing? My name's Rob, that's Pernell, and we also have... Nice Malik. Bully? Yeah. All right, we have FaZe and Bully. So this is called The Price is Right... FaZe. Oh, FaZe! I thought it was like, like FaZe. No, 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 like FaZe. Oh, okay, I got you. It's cool, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Because that'd be like an awesome name. All right, all right so um, so this is all, all about speedrunning today. We're talking about games that are played quickly, and this is also kind of a sport. How fast can people complete video games? It's, it's kind of a sport. It's also kind of a performance art. Like a button or something like no, that. No, no, no. Like, um, okay, here's an example. How fast can someone complete Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, without without using warps. Every single stage and avoiding every single coin. <laughs> All right, so um, how fast do you think it can run? Can you give me like a minutes and seconds? I would say two hours. Two hours, all right, and bully. Um, I would say around five minutes. Five minutes, all right, all right, and now. I'm going to shoot for the moon here because I don't want to go too far, too far back. So right. let's say 13 minutes. All right, so y'all lost to Pernell. 
because the fastest run is by a guy named Johnny Mandarino in 22 minutes and 35 seconds. That guy wow. held down the, the run button and did not quit. And so, like, one thing to know about speedrunners is that sometimes they will find weird exploits, like ways, like maybe run through a wall or something. There's um, not much you can do in Mario, though. That is true. That is just, okay, that's I, just running and not dying. All right, now let's talk about one of the glitchiest games that everyone likes to hate on. It's Superman for the Nintendo 64. Oh, crap. A game where you are Superman, but your superpower is just flying through rings. Okay, what do you think the fastest run is? Face. Uh, 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Oh, that's a good guess. Bully? Oh, Pernell? All right, so being that it's Superman 64 and that, you know, I was born in Delaware and that my favorite food is catfish, I'm going to have to say... What does all that have to do with anything? <laughs> well, that's how they do it in the shows, man. You got You got to exhibit. So I'm going to say just 15 minutes because that's how long I can expect somebody to last before, you know, breaking the control over their head and running away from this abysmal game. So I'm sticking with 15. All right, yeah. So the fastest run? The fastest run is Bully. What is the fastest run? 20 20 minutes. Yeah, that's right. So Bully wins that one. point, Point to Bully because the fastest run is 30 minutes and 48 seconds. That's pretty quick, right? Very Are they were they committed <laughs> after this? I don't know, man. Okay, so some of these scores were, were submitted like four weeks ago. So there's a community of people who are just constantly doing this and recording it. If the guy who did that time is out there today and he's not in a straitjacket, please yeah. write to us and let us know you're okay because right. that game's terrible. Right, so this next one, uh, Castlevania, original Castlevania for the Nintendo Entertainment System, using only the whip, no power-ups, only the whip. What do you think? Eight minutes tops. Eight minutes. All right. Pernell, Pernell's on the mic. What you got? I got to do that. I got to do my trick here. Eight minutes uh, and one second. Oh, uh, serious. I was close. That means I was close. You know what? <laughs> this reminds me of the Robot Chicken sketch, which I love. Uh, Can you choke up on the mic a little bit? Yeah. Um, yeah, the robot chicken sketch made me fall in love with that game. I'm going to say like 10 minutes. Bully again. Holy go, go, crap. Yeah, the fastest is 13 wow. minutes and 19 seconds. Yeah. Right, this man is crushing us. Yeah, we got to do something. I think it's pretty quick. <laughs> we got to step it up. All right, we're going to do maybe one or two more here. All right, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog Part 3, playing as Sonic and just completing the game. <laughs> my, my like, would you like to use a lifeline? Use a lifeline. Yeah, yeah. I want to use a lifeline. Yeah, bring him on. Bring him over. Lifeline. I want to use him. All right. Close. That's uh. That's gonna cost you ten dollars though. We'll take podcast. it. After the <laughs> What's his name? Big Dan from the Bridge and I Got Podcast. All right. Twenty twenty-one minute. All right. Final answer. Twenty-one minutes. All right. Pernell. All right. Sonic the Hedgehog. Each stage has two X. Oh, peanut butter girl. Remember some of them got Yeah, three, some have three. Three zones. What? 17 minutes. I'm going to say um, probably 30 minutes. Yeah, bully again. The, the fastest time, 32 minutes, 37 wow, seconds. That's unbelievable. Holy that's cow, gosh. man. Our, our last are you holding the oh, whole whoa whoa are you are do you have some kind of secret knowledge bank up here because you are crushing how, how us. much do you, you look games? too young to be playing these games <laughs> I am I play <laughs> 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 all 
I watch a lot of YouTube. There you go. Like, yeah. A lot of YouTube back in uh, back when I was in high school. Right, right, right. Me and not, my friend, me and not, my not every day before you go to bed. Yeah, we <laughs> was like trying to play Contra, like because okay. one of our teacher was like told us about it. And we just like your teacher told you about Contra. Yeah. 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 Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yep. we'll, do, we'll do one last game, and then um, we'll continue on with the show. The last game is Mortal Kombat 2. Do I have any more, like, special things like lifelines? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, you can call it your friend. Right, cool. That's I was fine. just checking. Just checking. <laughs> All right, so the fastest time you can complete Mortal Kombat 2. Lifeline. <laughs> it's like, don't put me on you the get, spot. Uh, regular, this arcade. Is arcade. This, is, this is for the arcade, and you get a bonus point if you know the character they played as. Woo. All of them. All, start to finish. Finish the game. Well, let's just say it's not any of the special characters. You're going to likely just get the basic, all the normal characters, and then like the final to go Goro and Shao Kahn. I want to say Shao Kahn, but it's not Shao Kahn. Yeah, but remember, this is Mortal Kombat 2. <laughs> Messing with my head over here. Shao Kahn. Shang Tsung. Should have been up here. But right. anyway, how about so, nine minutes? This what, man what, got what? some confidence. He's like, nine minutes. You said, son. You said this yeah, character yeah. would be Shang Tsung? Yeah. Yeah, all right. All right. For now? All right. I'm going to say Johnny Cage. No. Don't want you just Johnny Cage. All right. Let's go riding. And yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, the, the, the freaking lightning monk. Yeah. <laughs> Electro <laughs> monk. Um, riding. And we're going to go with. And. Ten minutes, okay. All right, now the master, okay. the accidental master. <laughs> I'm gonna say Luke King, and probably I'm gonna say ten minutes. Ah, but it's face. We got one. Well, yeah, you got one. We got one. <laughs> we got one. Five minutes and fifty-nine seconds. That's pretty good. And the character was Shang Tsung. Which happens to be the fastest character in the go. game for whatever reason it is. Thank you all so much for coming on the show. Thank I appreciate you. it. You guys get stickers. Stickers. Awesome and freaking awesome. I just much. so awesome I knocked the darn mic stand over. What is this? So what we have definitely learned is that I need to bone up on my speed run lessons. Because <laughs> I was uh, way down here yeah. <laughs> for that. We did this. We did this game once before, but they were completely different titles, and you did pretty well. I was hanging in there. You were hanging in there. And clearly, you don't speedrun video games. Clearly, um, you it's don't. It's time to start. You don't complete video games. Well, that is actually also true. All right. So, what's your uh, what's your next track for the show? All right. So, I am going to go with. Man, I have a lot of tracks that I want to go with. Yeah. So and only so much time for now. I am going to stick with this one. <laughs> I like this one. This is from the game Drill Dozer for the Game Boy Advance. And the track title is called Area 7 Krug's Doom Dozer. And the track is composed by Go Ichinose and Satoshi Nohara. So first thing you're going to hear is this, this is kind of weird but crunchy sound to it. That's Game Boy Advance hardware putting out the sound. And as far as what this is and why it gives you a sense of speed. So Drill Dozer is a game about a group, a family of bank robbers. They basically rob banks because that's what they like to do. That's how they fund their home. They do whatever they want to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't know this one at all. But it's like a competing criminal family who also does the same thing. And the criminal family is ultimately 
getting better at it than they are. An added element is that all the heists are done using drill cars. Like, they get in these little, like, drill mechs, and they can punch through walls and just, like, burrow into places. Wait, is this related to Mr. Driller? I wish. Oh, so it's not. I love Mr. Driller. So, towards the end of the game, essentially, you're like this little girl who's driving a drill car because she's the youngest member of the family. She's up and coming. And it kind of turns out that this other family gets a little bit too ambitious. They decide they want to be, they want to take over the city because that's always intelligent and reasonable to do. Um, so they develop this ginormous drill tank called the Drill Dozer, which just like bursts out of the ground and is like piling through the city to pretty much destroy City Hall. And your character has to kind of bust into the tank with their drill car. And she's like shooting through the tank to try to find her way to the car to stop the guy before he destroys, pretty much destroys the city. And again, this is one of those levels where there's no timing, there's no clock running, but the music and the way the game gives you that sense of urgency as in we have to do this, you have to get this done, you feel compelled to rush it. You're pushing through, you're trying, you're not even finding half the secret items at the time because you just want to get it done. So the game isn't, the game isn't encouraging you to go quickly, but you do it anyway because of the music and because of the, the, the game mechanics? Yes, okay. it, it does a good job of creating a false sense of urgency in the player because while you can sit there at the end, like just in the corner and mm -hmm. the game won't penalize you for it, you're not going to do that. You want to get this job done. You want to take care of business and you want to show the world that your crime family is the top crime family and then you want to give all your Heist proceeds to charity for some reason. That's what you do. But, um, yeah, I love this track so much. And the game itself is a phenomenal gem of a title. Right. This was designed by the guys who did Pokemon, the franchise that won't die. Oh, that's what Go, Go Ichinose, because he worked on also the, the Pokemon series, or the original Pokemon series. Mm -hmm. right. So even though a lot of people complain about the recent news that they were saying they're going to kind of ramp back a little on their Pokemon development of games, I'm what? kind of... Yeah, yeah. Then they just uh, they are, getting, are they people getting Pokemon out? Oh no, no. Quite the contrary. The company's getting Pokemon out. <laughs> so they decide they want to start developing more games outside of the Pokemon franchise, which to me is a great thing because I miss games like Drill Dozer. I want to see them flex their creative muscles outside of a franchise they can honestly rest their laurels on forever if they really felt like it. This is a gem of a game, a fantastic OST, and. Any chance I get it as an excuse to share it with more people, yeah. I'm on board. Yeah, the, the music on the Game Boy Advance is, is very interesting because, um, like when the game, when the original Game Boy was released, they were emulating mainly the Nintendo hardware. They were kind of porting over Nintendo titles on a lower resolution screen, but the hardware was essentially the uh, the sound chip in the Nintendo, a little bit more advanced. In the Game Boy Advance, they were porting over tons of Super Nintendo titles, so 16-bit games onto this modern this modern system essentially. But the uh, the sound chip was also very Super Nintendo with a little extra. RAM so they could add more sampled sound, but they had to crush it to the lowest bit rate possible to push the music out that even today a lot of these composers who, who worked on these games aren't really proud of how it sounds and so they're, they're like they're really hesitant. Then they read don't a lot of them actually remaster their own music or they, they take the original pre-crunched version and they share it with people so this is what I really wanted. To do. Yeah there's, there's a lot of music by um, Alberto Jose Gonzalez um, who worked on a, lo a lot of Game Boy Advance tracks who's, who's again released the music later on after the fact on his SoundCloud and on YouTube it was like hey this is how I composed it and then they stuffed it into this tiny little cartridge and now it sounds like this. Well I can honestly say that the Game Boy Advance's release and the fact that it really was pretty much like a portable Super Nintendo was my favorite aspect. Yeah, it's very, it. very cool. I adored that. I never really had it. I just, I just played yours, but... Hey, I have, <laughs> when I have, like, you, have, you know somebody with a ridiculous amount of games, why buy your own? Just mooch them. All right, so my last track uh, of the afternoon 
Um, it's a super classic. It's from this, the Nintendo Entertainment System. It's called Kirby's Adventure. We all know a little Kirby. Um, this is I like things like he flat out saying, yes! This is uh, Hirokazu Ando, and this is the Plains level from the game Kirby's Adventure. All right. Let's go, iPad. <laughs> this iPad knows how to rock. So I, I chose Kirby not because the game is fast, but because every track in, in Kirby sounds like it's a ska song. <laughs> pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. It's, just, it's so fast. Give Kirby a little ska hat to tip yeah, and a man, saxophone. Yeah, maybe he's got little, these, these little two-tone like uh, Converse sneakers on. Honestly, Kirby... It's suspenders. Kirby... Actually, Kirby with suspenders is like the cutest thing I could think of right now. Kirby is just a cute thing. Aside in from Timon and Pumbaa doing their um their 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 Stoner's Adventure movie, that has to happen. <laughs> I'll give that money. There was actually I'm actually interested in asking you two this because it came up in a random thread that a friend of mine posted a couple days ago. He said, "What do you feel is the most iconic Disney movie song? Like, period." Mm-hmm. Oh, oh okay, great, yeah. great, great. So we have um our, our, the podcast was prior to us. They were called the Unboxing Story. Thank you. And they were talked about the um the, the recent um problem of Disney remakes <laughs> in, in a very quote unquote live action way. So what what do you think are the, what do you think is the most Disney song? Well, I, I think uh, a, a dream is a wish your heart makes. Probably the the biggest one. And I think, like, part of what we were talking mm-hmm. about was that Disney has become a brand before a studio, basically. So they have, like, they're very tied to this image, right, of what right. they used to be. And so that, I think, has been tied to so many of their, like, commercials for, like, Disney World mm-hmm. that, like, I associate that with them. Um, but I think maybe Let It Go is, like, edging in on that. Of, yeah. like, this is now the Disney song, and, like, we're going to do, like, these big, like, freaky... Uh, ice queen like <laughs> <laughs> characters and like try to go into this new you know new world um, but thanks for having me on oh you're welcome <laughs> thanks the funny thing is like when I was thinking about it for a while my hope anyway I don't sure how true it is but my hope was always that the most iconic was Hakuna Matata because it's the one that I genuinely like to sing more often than anything it's what? it's just the thing that you bring up when you're stressed out, you stick it to yourself sometimes. Like, what's a wonderful phrase? I now, mean, when I was in the fifth grade, our we listened to all the time was the Little Mermaid. They had like on VHS, like because they, because Disney used to re- release. Yeah, we're just talking about Disney movies now. So Disney used to release these uh, these sing along VHS tapes before I think before they released the movies because the, the rental scene was still really big. Tie it back to video games. The mm-hmm. rental scene in video games was also <laughs> essentially how I played video games as a child. But um, yeah, because they they would wait like a year before they would even sell it, and so they, they would get uh, um, they would they would sell these these sing along things for kids to like just listen to the songs over and over and over again. And so for me, it was the Little Mermaid. It was um, it had to be under the sea. Yeah, it was under the sea, and the one that's always in my head is the Kiss the Girl. Oh, for the record, both of those songs are amazing to sing at karaoke. Just lose your freaking mind. <laughs> Every time I go to a karaoke bar, Under the Sea gets on the mic. I have to do it. It's a great time. Oh, my gosh. That's a secret thing. For yeah. you, it's Guns N' Roses and then Under the Sea? Oh, no, no. Is well, it back-to-back? <laughs> Not Guns N' Roses. Man in the Box oh, by Man Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains. Man in the Box, then Guns Under the Sea. Guns N' Roses, Alice in Chains. Guns and Chains. Guns and Chains. Right. 
Man in Chains. <laughs> Allison Roses. Allison Roses. But yeah, like I, I absolutely adore singing both of those songs. Yeah. And actually, if the answer ended up being Under the Sea somehow, I wouldn't even be mad. I'd, re- I'd rock that thing out. But like we, like you said earlier, just probably let it go. Yeah, <laughs> probably let it go at this point. I still haven't seen that movie. I haven't either, but I know let it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. My my nieces are obsessed with it. All right, so we're on to uh, your uh, final track, and then we'll head out of here. Okay, so my final track is kind of funny because I kind of made a similar statement like this earlier, but I'll use it again for this track because I want to play it on the show. This is from the game La Mulana, and the track title is called Escape, and the composers for it are Takumi Naramura and Horyu Samejima. And Horyu Samejima is also the, the sole developer of this title, right? Art- yes, he goes by Nagoro. Nagoro. He did the, the artwork, the programming, the design. It's a very... Like between like pretty much like a 16-bit looking game mm-hmm. is a remake of a game that was designed on a system called the MSX. Oh, they were one of the old uh, Japanese computer systems. Or we had like in the 90s, we had like the IBM Tandy stuff like that was coming out of the Radio Shack. They had the MSX uh, home computer systems, and also the uh, the PC88, PC98. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're going off a little far here. So this is like, <laughs> this is Escape with triple exclamation points from the game La Mulana. This sounds like it's an old school computer system. Oh, this is my beast of a jam. So we were listening to the sequel of this uh, yesterday. Yes. And it had this double kick drum. <laughs> like it was getting heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah, so like this game. So earlier we talked about Thousand and One Spikes. I mentioned earlier how it's like it feels like an Indiana Jones kind of game. Well, they want to give you that idea. Like they give you like the uh, the feeling of Indiana Jones. Like this guy looks like Indiana Jones and he's, he's looking for treasures. This game. This is, I would up, say, yeah. is even more so because in addition to the tricks and traps and all that, you also have like crazy riddles you have to solve. Like you'll be in one end of the temple and you'll find a tablet that tells you a clue that you don't use until you're in a sunken area five hours later in a whole other area. This game was designed to be ridiculously brutal. Like, the originally when the game came out, it took a think tank of people on the internet working together to solve the puzzles to beat this game. But it's also one of my favorite games that have ever come out on any console, period. Now, the heck is with this track. So, you get through the entire dungeon. As you're exploring a temple, in addition to looking for treasure, you're also trying to... The entire dungeon the entire game? Yes. Okay. In addition to just looking for treasure and stuff, you're also trying to solve this weird riddle of an ancient civilization and a series of different races that were created by an entity only known as Mother. And throughout unweaving the entire tale, you get to the end where you realize that Mother is still alive and she's planning to erase humanity to create a brand new race. So you have to defeat her in order to save humanity. But it's not a game that involves Indiana Jones templing action without a collapsing ruin. So when you defeat her, the entire dungeon falls starts Ooh, to fall does apart. Does a giant boulder like come after you? No, Aww. the entire place starts to collapse. Like as you're running, like walls will start shutting down. Like enemies will get crushed by boulders, and you're dodging enemies that are trying to keep you from escaping. And there's in this case, there's actually a clock at the top counting down. You have thirty was like it's either ten or fifteen real time minutes to get out of the dungeon, <laughs> and it sounds like a lot, but like I said, it's the entire dungeon you've been exploring for the past twenty hours. You got to get out of it in 15 minutes. Oh, that's really clever. So they, they, they programmed um, this, what the stages actually look like falling apart. Yeah, all right. the levels are collapsed. Like you, and the yeah. best part is when you get to the end where you think it's the exit, the exit is actually collapsed. So you have to find an alternate exit that you didn't know existed in the first place. It's really good. It emphasizes getting the heck out of Dodge. 
The music does not help with that. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it certainly sounds like it. Well, it helps yeah, for yeah, the yeah. atmosphere, but it's not help my heart rate. But it's just, it is a beast, and it it gives me some of the best feeling of like you know just getting rushed and just blowing through a sequence without even planning ahead. Just get it done because if you if you fail here, you won't be able to make up the time to escape later. So it's it deserves to be on this list. Yeah, absolutely. I think Sorry, Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> Well, we can, we can end on some Final Fantasy VII. You want to do that? We could do that. All we right, let's end that. on some Final Fantasy VII. So this last track, Final Fantasy VII. This is, oh my gosh, which one did you pick? I this is Hurry. Hurry, Hurry Faster is the track that I actually have by the, uh, the composer Nobuo Uematsu. Doesn't need a whole lot of uh, introduction to listeners of, of video game music and just music in general. Music in general. Um, yeah, so this is Hurry Faster from the game Final Fantasy VII. Now, this is really interesting in that on the PlayStation, this is the PlayStation 1, mm-hmm. two discs. Um, oh, four discs. Four discs. They, no, three discs. Got you. I don't even remember. <laughs> um, so they had, they wanted to take the, the original Final Fantasy and bring it into the world of 3D. Mm-hmm. And then when they promoted it into the, into the States, they got everybody interested in it. People who did not play RPGs suddenly were interested in RPGs. People that didn't even play video games were jumping on this during, thing. During the development of this game, Nobuo Uematsu composed about five or six tracks um, that with uh, full instrumentation, CD audio, and they were going to put it in the game. But it slowed the game down so much that they had to do uh, sequenced audio uh, with like general MIDI instruments and things like that. Mm-hmm. So everything in this game is like old school sequenced music that would have been played on a Super Nintendo, but oh. on the PlayStation, just so they could speed up the game and make it faster. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, so somewhere out there, there are like fully orchestrated tracks for this game. I just feel like I don't need to find those and hear them then, because Final Fantasy VII is an iconic game. Mm-hmm. So many people, this has touched so many lives. Like, it's not my favorite of the Final Fantasy games, but whenever I hear someone say it's their favorite, I can't even question it because I know what the game did for gaming in general. Yeah, it really and for elevated the people RPGs that it. like in, in, the, in the Western world. Oh, so, heavens, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Before this game, you'd be lucky to get a game over here from Japan that you want to play. You'd right. get like maybe one or two per year. After Final Fantasy VII hit it big, everybody wanted to be the next big Final Fantasy game. So, People were just throwing their games in mass. Like, if you like Final Fantasy VII, this game has more characters, uh, more <laughs> colorful. It, they just tried to ape it, and they no one could really do it. But it was awesome. It was a fantastic thought, and I like the fact that it brought RPGs to the limelight. And it's happening again because with the remake coming out, yeah. people who kind of since fell off the wayside are back. They're doing it more. Mm. So it's just... This is going to happen again. People who weren't involved are going to just suddenly come and say, oh, I've been waiting for a remake of this game. I want to see what they did to it. Right. And all of a sudden, PS4s are going to start flying off the shelves at the end of its lifeline. All right, so uh, since we're running out of time here, um, I have one last story about the Final Fantasy series. So in the older the older RPGs on the Super Nintendo, and even the earlier ones on the PlayStation 1, Final Fantasy 7, and Final Fantasy 8, when you, when you get new characters in this game, they, they tell you their name. This, the main character's name is Cloud, and, and, the, and the girl's name is Eris, right? Mm-hmm. But they allow you to change their names. So when you play the game, you can play like the main character as Pernell, and the girl's name is, you know, whatever. And um, so I never started playing this game. My brother would start playing this game, get bored of it, hand it to me. I would load in the game, pop in the memory card, and the main character's name is Assman. And so all of these huge dramatic moments of characters getting, you know, dying and trying to save the world, and it's like, Ass Man, only you can help me. 
Um, Leave it to the ass, man. I got this. So I got to thank my brother for that one. So I would get like 20 hours in, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore, you know? Wait, what do you mean you can't do it anymore? It's the ass, man. He can do anything. <laughs> First of all, he can do anything. Anything. <laughs> Furthermore, imagine in a, re- in a real world setting, you learn, you know, terrorist attack, place, place, but no one was hurt due to the courageous actions of a guy who only goes by the name ass man. <laughs> you would love to hear that. I would lose my crap oh, the, if I heard that on the news. Oh, the internet would lose its crap. Yes, it would. <laughs> Photoshop manic mania over the ass man saves the day. Oh, man. Well, anyway, thanks for listening to our show. Um, you can find us online at rhythmandpixels.com. Um, we're on you know, Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere where you can find it. Um, we're a weekly show, and that's about it. We're about an hour and a half. It's a good time. We usually, since we're not, since it's not a live setting, we usually kind of like talk about random stuff. Yeah. Like we just, it's almost like two friends hanging out, that's what, yeah. talking about crap they like, and just having a freaking good time. Yeah. That's and, all um, it is. We have a Patreon. If, if uh, people who support our Patreon get access to a live stream of us recording the show, um, it's really just us in a room with microphones and uh, digital Some, audio. Sometimes we do dumb stuff though. Yeah, no, we dance. Like we dance drink really hot sauces yeah. while we do an episode. Because why um, not? We should do more dancing like live, but with hot sauce. The hot sauce dance? Yes. Ass man. All right, thanks, everybody. (laughs) Have a good night. Thank you.